Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Good morning. Well, it's an, it's an honour to be here on a baptism morning. Um, who, who felt moved in their, in their spirit and their heart? Just like, man, I was moved to tears because God is, God is in this house. God is moving and when we see young people saying, I want to love Jesus, yeah. and so I, want to, I want to do this baptism thing, that does something inside of me. Does, it, did, does anyone witness with that? Yeah. It's something that God is doing in the house. And what's, what's really cool is God is doing things all around the world in the nations today. And we're seeing um, thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ yeah. in, a, in an exponential way that we've never seen before in all of history. And God is doing a move that He's releasing His Spirit, just as He prophesied that He would release His Spirit upon His sons and His daughters, and they would begin to get on board with what heaven is saying. And so we're in a really, really privileged place to be part of the greatest move in history as we partner with God to see His kingdom come in all the fullness that He desired and foresaw from the beginning of time. And so we're in a really, really privileged place. You know, already this year we've seen 17... 17 people come to Christ, um, of which there's been a few of those come this week. So um, as as we, we're going to do an interview shortly, we're going to hear a little bit about that. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Let's say put your hands together for Jesus. Okay. I don't know about you, but I feel greatly moved to be a part of this, this opportunity that, that God is releasing in our day. And as, as Rob made the statement, is that God could have invited you to be one of the greats in history, but He invited to be one of the greats of today. And what a privileged place to be one of the greats of today in the greatest move of all days. That's an incredible privilege. I think it's an incredible privilege that I have a part to play in His, in, in his plan in the greatest move of history. And you're one of those people too that God has chosen you. And to God for choosing, choosing you, the choosing of God is the invite of God into His big plan and big picture. Yeah, and so there's an invite on your life to step in to what God has for you yeah. and what God is doing as He's uniting people. Let's say we just have <clears throat> the uh, branch out team. So that's Shane and Julie, come on up. And Chris and Pam, come on up. And here we are, the clerks, come on up, Paul and Nikki. So these guys, uh, we've got a number of missionaries. Grab yourself to see long here. <clears throat> we've got a number of missionaries that are out on the field, that are, that are home base. And welcome, guys. Welcome. Great. So um, I'm just going to introduce these guys. Now, um, next week, we're also going to pray for a few more. Yep. And you get to see... Uh, some of the, the great people that are, that are leading different ministries or, or, or have got some incredible faith statements of partnering with God in a missions capacity. Right. So, um, <clears throat> what's a... Uh, got the other mic there? Perfect. Look at that. Too easy. Great. <clears throat> so, um, what's say we just go along and introduce ourselves briefly. And then we're going to interview them and hear a little bit about what they're doing and, and how God is impacting in their situation. Hey guys, uh, Chris and Pam sitting at the, uh, the back there. Um, you give a hand, hand wave there, Pam. The wonderful Pam. 
beautiful hand wave prayer warrior. Okay. And we, um, we run Joshua Foundation. Okay. Uh, my name's Paul and my wife Nikki and uh, Thailand is on our heart and we've seen some amazing things happening there. So that's what we're involved in. Yes, I'm Nikki. Um, yes, uh, the missionary work is in my heart ever since I became a Christian. Thailand, there is a field that God put me in. Hi, I'm Julie. Um, Jesus called me to the streets a year and a half ago, and um, I just love them. I really do. They're the most um, just awesome people you'll ever meet. And I'm Shane, and Julie and I, as uh, pointed out before, lead the uh, Branch Out Mission for Jesus. So Shane, um, what's we just you've got the mic there at the moment. So um, what's say put around um, applause for these guys here that. <clears throat> These faces represent many faces that are standing and, um, and essentially carrying a whole lot of faces that are, that are terrorist along behind them. And so we, we honour you guys because you represent many. Shane, tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing on our streets here in Christchurch uh, on a Thursday evening. Sure. There's, so there's two elements to what we're doing out on the streets. Um, working with a team of other people. Obviously, we'd be keen to have more people help us as well, if you're interested. Uh, so the first of those, the one that we're probably most well-known for, is working with the homeless. Um, and there's two elements to that. Uh, one of them is a meal that we put on, used to be on a Monday night, now is on a Thursday night at 7.30. Uh, we feed between 20 and 40 homeless out in um, Cashel Mall each week. Um, and so that team of people doing that, and myself, um, Thomas, um, Matthew Grant, and um, we also have Marco and uh, Kate Parsons also helping out with that uh, mission. Um, and, you know, really the key thing for that meal is just providing food and getting the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And the homeless are very open to talking about these types of things. So there's quite a comfortable way to share the message with those people. The other element of it is really what Julie does and that is that she interacts with the homeless during the week um, as well and she um, really gets a lot of divine appointments with the homeless and so she can talk into their lives at different stages and as she shares in her testimonies and she's got another one today um, and brings people to Jesus. So that's walking with them through their life and helping them come to God. The other element of it is the street outreach in the square, which happens generally on a Friday afternoon or evening. Um, and Matthew Grant, he generally leads that, working with Rowan and Catherine and Julie. Um, that involves dance, as does the um, meal. Um, everyone would know that Matthew is such a great dancer and it really just brings the presence um, and just opens up so many opportunities. Um, and that, um, in that case, it's evangelism with, with um, tourists, a lot of tourists and office workers and others that are in the square in the evening. Um, and they get great opportunities just to sow into people's lives and share the, the wonderful message of Jesus. So it's great. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, just a quick show of hands of those who are present at, at helping out that team. Yeah, okay. Great. 
It's really great. Um, so, um, as I say, who knows that feeding people is, is, um, takes quite a lot of effort. So feeding 40, 40 plus people is quite a tremendous effort. And to do it on a weekly basis, you know, you can put your hand up for one week and then, you know, they think, oh, man, and, and, and think I'm going to have a week off. But these guys have chosen to put up their hand week after week saying, okay, we're going to be there. We're going we're gonna to set a precedence to say that we believe in these homeless people to say we're willing to turn up on a weekly basis and, and, and feed them. So, Shane, great. That's incredible. Um, Julie, do you want to share a little bit about a, a life-impacting moment that uh, yeah. life changed? Sure thing. Um, last year, I was on the streets and um, visiting my friends and I taught them some food and um, this guy just appeared right beside me, just like that, and um, I noticed about him first that he looked in a difficult situation and also um, that he was really cute. He came up to about here and he had this amazing, awesome um, cheeky smile. It just lit up his whole face when he smiled. And um, he he said, um, have you got some food? I'm hungry or something like that. So I gave him some food. And I also noticed um, on his face he sort of had like dirt smudged on his face and his hands, his nails all over his clothes. Um, a bit like a coal miner, and um, so I said to him, you know, where do you live? And he said, I'm under the bridge at night time and I'm on the streets. So I said, okay. And I said, is there anything you need? And he said, shoes. So um, the next time I saw him, I took him out some shoes, and um, then I've noticed God seems to bring these people across your path um, that don't know him, and it's like you'll just bump into them, you know, all of the time. Um, so weekly, I started bumping into my new friend and I, um, I gave him a gospel track about Jesus, told him the message and, you know, I just um, chill out with him, um, you know, give him hugs, just try and encourage him, see how he was doing, give him food, see if there's anything he needed and I would um, I'd just try and bring Jesus like into everyday life, you know, how I found Jesus in my own life that, you know, through the good and bad, Jesus is always with you no matter what and I just try to emphasise um, to my friend how much Jesus really loved him. And so, you know, I was probably meeting him weekly over a few months and every time I'd say to him, look, have you had a chance, mate, to read the wee book I've given you? Have you asked Jesus into your heart? And he would say, no, I'm not ready to do that yet, you know, to ask him into my heart. And I'd say, look, that's okay, mate, you know, it's your decision, but, you know, I really hope you will. And then at another meeting... Um, he brought up that he'd seen a ghost that had frightened him. So I just said to him, um, look, mate, just if that happens, just call out to Jesus and Jesus will get rid of it for you. Jesus, there's no name higher than Jesus because he's God. And he must have, you know, taken it in what I said. And then at another meeting with him, he said to me, oh, Julie, a few nights ago I had a real fright and I want to tell you what happened. And I said, okay. And he said, um, I was under the bridge and I woke up um, at night time and he said, I got a fright because there's a man standing right there, right beside me. And I was like, oh, no. I said, well, what did you do? And he said, well, I did what you told me to do. He said, I asked Jesus um, to make the man go away. And I said, well, you know, did the man go away? And he said, yes, he did. And I said, did the man hurt you? And he said, no. And I said, well, there we go. You know, Jesus, you know, he listened to what you said, you know. And... um, so, um, yeah, since, oh, sorry, then after that, I said, well, since in between that time, have you had a chance to read the little book and ask Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes, I have. Uh, he did both of those things. So, um, Come on, awesome. give us a round of applause. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, 
I am. And um, since then, he's now living in a flat with a friend near where me and Shane live. As it turns out, he's not under the wow. bridge. And, um, it's a big thing. Yeah, he's just his life is totally changing. He's got part-time work and he used to be quite shy to come out to our nightly meals. He didn't like crowds, but now he's actually wanting to do a bit of break dancing come for on. us wow. because we play Christian rap music out there. So, you know, we're like recycled teenagers. So, yeah, he wants wow. to join in. So yeah. That's beautiful. Restoring a man's dignity. <laughs> Judy, that's remarkable. You've oh, really restored you. that man's dignity and thank given you. him hope again. And that came through the consistent love. You know, it takes around about seven encounters that a person says, yeah, I actually want to do this Jesus thing. You know, I want to know and have that relationship. Because we have to warm up. You know, any relationship, it builds trust, doesn't it? We have to build a certain amount of trust. So that persistence has really paid off. Once we come over to um, Paul, Paul here. Paul, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Thailand and, and uh, what's going on. Uh, I'll just share one of my favourite moments. Um, uh, we never do anything on our own. Um, God's put a lot of amazing people around us and uh, through that and uh, we've seen a church planted in Nikki's home village uh, in the middle of central Thailand, which is a very strong Buddhist uh, stronghold. Um, but we haven't, didn't have a, a, a regular pastor, full-time pastor for a long time. And one of my favourite moments was we, we've, we, we know this amazing couple there and we invited them to uh, have a meal with us at a lovely restaurant and we sat down and we with, and it was felt like Harmony was with us sitting there. Come on. So, okay, so uh, we were sitting there and we were offering them a full-time pastorship to the, uh, the church in the village. And Harmony was right there with wow. us. And, um, and, when we, and, and also, it was just amazing too, Johnny, um, our son, uh, was with us and unknown to this couple, um, Pastor Noy and Pastor Salt. Um, Johnny had actually worked for a year uh, on a children's ministry team in Thailand with Pastor Noi in the past. So it was just really a wonderful thing. And they shared with us that, um, that a few years ago an Australian missionary had come over and he had said that God was going to raise up a couple through whom they were going to be supported in ministry. And there wow. we were sitting there offering them uh, a full-time pastorship wow. in the village. And that was wow. just, that was just, a, just a God moment. Just with also with Johnny being there. So that was just wonderful. It was just okay. confirming to us. And that's been our sort of, and now we're just saying oh, there's a wonderful church going there in, in Bortram now. It's uh, well established now. We've probably got, um, there's probably 50 people, if, or maybe 60 people if you count them all up. Wow. Would Nicky like to tell us about a, um, one of the inspiring moments? Mm. Wow, what a, what a great thing. So that was a great time. It's a prophetic word coming together where someone's received something, and then here we are, where Paul and Nicky are actually part of that playing out, where God has linked these two ends together and come together to create what otherwise couldn't be. So it's only, that, that church exists now because of the prayer and support of Harmony. Without Harmony, there's no other, there's no other one, nobody else supporting it. Harmony is the only support for that. So, wow. so it's like our, your pat, daughter church. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> yes, for me it's um, last time we uh, take a trip to Thailand, and um, during that time, we out in Willis for three weeks. And uh, I end up sharing the gospel with my brother-in-law. <laughs> I thought he's the one that's going to give his heart to the Lord, but not yet. <laughs> I try really best. And, uh, and during that time, when I shared the gospel with him, 
there was a young girl who walked toward me and she was want to know what we're talking about. <laughs> and she walked toward me and I keep chatting with my brother-in-law. And then, and then she doesn't say anything. I end up witnessing to her too as well, talking about the Lord to her too as well. And then it's nothing happened during that time. And uh, I just leave it that way. And she went her way and I went my way. And then in the Sunday coming, in the com coming Sunday, she came to me and said, Nikki, can I come to church with you? <laughs> wow. It was so surprised to me. I thought my brother-in-law was going to be saying that, but her saying that. And uh, she came to the church, and she gave her heart to the Lord. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Jesus. And, uh, yeah, we pray for her during the service, um, give her heart to the Lord. And about three weeks later, and we was back in Bangkok already, between the village and Bangkok. And then she said, Nikki, I want to have a baptized, she said. I said, we in Bangkok, why don't you tell me earlier than that? I said, well, I just make this decision. She said, I really want to walk with Jesus. I said, okay, we're going to have a special way, the special trip again out to Willet. That's what we did. And we baptized her. Wow. And God gave the word to me to spoke over her life. She's going to bring a lot of people to the Lord. And then Beautiful. by the time I come back to New Zealand, she already run up people and bring them to the church. And one family, I give their heart to the Lord and been baptized about a week after I came back. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit who do the works to those who give their heart to him and prepare to go to the link that God called him to go. And I like Beautiful. to speak to our brother and sister here. And uh, take your family seriously because they are close to you and your close friend. Share with them about the Lord. If you can't share with the grow-up people, which quite hard to do so, share with their children, their grandchildren. That's good. Yeah, That's the good children word. and generation after them. Share with them. Yeah. Tell them about the Lord. Okay? Beautiful. That's what I do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, through, that, through that girl in the village now, we've seen quite a lot come to the Lord. She's turned into a real evangelist. And so there'd probably be about five come or six on. people, even more, that have been baptised through her witness. Wow. That's really, really great. <clears throat> you know, if, if it doesn't believe in the one, then you'll never see more than one. And sometimes we just narrow it down to just one. Chris, uh, tell, us, tell us what's happening, um, Joshua Foundation. Okay, morning, church. So, <laughs> I, so Joshua Foundation, what we've been doing is working in the prison for the last couple of years. We work out of Christchurch Men's Prison in the youth unit. Um, there are young people who have come through child, youth and family, um, have gone through youth justice to Punawai and have got this last opportunity at Christchurch Men's Youth Unit. Uh, they're aged between 17 and 20, and it's, it's the vulnerable unit for young people, young mobsters, young black power people, predominantly young uh, gang members. And oof, that's, that's, that's nuggety right there. That's, that's what I love right there, yeah. Um, 
we've, over the last um, two years, we, we really, it's all for us, it's about building relationship, setting the example, role modelling to them, and actually walking the talk. Uh, we go in there, we don't pull any punches, we tell them straight, and they know uh, firsthand that, that I'm a Christian and about my family, they know everything about us, and they say, Mr, you shouldn't share that knowledge, and I said, yes, but I trust you. And they said, no one's ever trusted us before. And we will uh, look after them. We will spend nights with them. We will go out and spend maybe two days a week. And then we'll go and spend uh, nights, sometimes three, four nights in a row with them, out camping. We look at the stars. Mm -hmm. It's dedication. And we look at the stars. And some of them haven't seen the stars for 10 months, 18 months. Um, And they're they're amazed. And it gives us an an opportunity. For us... um, Last year, we led eight young men to the Lord. Whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and the exciting part about that is one of those uh, young men, when he saw another young man come into the prison uh, who was upset, he took his Bible and he started sharing verses out of the Bible with this young man and said, hey, God can help you. This wow. Jesus that I know That's can significant help you. right there. Mm. Wow. Uh, on the, this, uh, this last week, uh, Wednesday night, uh, we've been working with boys for one boy for 18 months, one for 12, and the rest for six. And we led all six boys to the Lord on Wednesday night. Yeah. Wow. Do we hear that right? That's six people on this Wednesday night just been. Yep. Wow. Mm. And we, we started talking about seven, and we finished about three o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and what an honour, what an absolute blessing. And the power of God, he turned up, he turned up with everything. And each one of those boys was impacted, there was tears, there was hugs, and they'd, all they wanted to do was talk. We provided them with um, their Bibles. The first question was, where's the other book? I said, what, what do you mean? He said, where's the book that tells me about where God got to here before he created everything else? So they're asking the deep questions already. And, and uh, a couple of them already want to be baptised. So that's our next challenge. That's beautiful. Did you, uh, just on that, um, <clears throat> what sort of things are you needing in that, in that to make that happen? For us, uh, it's about resources. First and foremost, prayer. Um, we have our home group uh, praying for us. Uh, the mighty Pam. <sighs> uh, prayer, prayer warrior at the back there when I'm out there, she doesn't sleep. She's, uh, she's on her knees. She's praying the whole time. Wow. Um, she's outstanding. Um, when I come home and I tell her, uh, we both burst into tears. The kids know what's happening, so it's, it's incredible. Next thing we need is um, Bibles. We just need, we've been buying the Bibles ourselves. We need support to buy Bibles to share it. And we'd love to get um, CDs of music into that the youth prison. We want to blow those walls, blow that prison wow. apart with worship music. And, and lastly, I suppose we'd love a, a, a set of men to come in with us wow. and, and actually share and sit down with the guys and just talk and talk and talk and share your stories because they, are, they, are, they were lost. They're now found. They become new identities in Christ. And there's, um, there's 37 of that youth unit and we, only, and we got to speak with six. We want 37. Wow. <laughs> Wow, put your hands together. Look, it's a real honour, you guys. What you, we just, 
we feel privileged to be a part of your story. And even though we may be a part of it in a small way, we feel like we we can only ever increase that as we see what God is doing and what you guys are continually putting yourself out there. Faith is often, um, definition of faith, faith is risk in God. And it takes a lot of time and energy and faithfulness and all those things that you're doing. So um, let's put our hands together as they head back down to their seats. Thanks, guys. Wow, isn't that great? Yeah. I, I love hearing what God's doing. It's just like you feel fresh and, and uh, revived all over again, like, like a brand new day has just happened in the middle of your day. Well, <clears throat> and, um, I'm going to just share briefly a little bit about, about missions. I'm, I'm excited about missions because God chose to make me a mission. And he, long before I was thinking about God, God was thinking about me. And long before God was think, long before you were thinking about God, God was thinking about you. And long before the nations were thinking about God, God was thinking about the nations. It says in, in Habakkuk two seven, it says, "And He is the desire of all the nations." It's interesting, we use the word "all." Everyone wants a king like Jesus. They just don't know it yet. We all want to have such a bridegroom as Jesus. We just may not fully know it yet. And God's inviting us into his incredible story of love. Long before you could ever muster up the answer of love, God had his unwavering, um, relentless love undiluted toward you. And every day is a new opportunity to discover that. And so I'm excited that not only to be here as one loved, but the opportunity to release a whole lot of lovers into the world. You know what? Workers... There's two, two groups of people in the world today. There's lovers and there's workers. And the irony is, is lovers always get more work done than workers. God never called you to be a laborer in his labor and in his harvest field. As his primary thing, he called you to be a lover. And then you can't help yourself but to be a laborer. And when we put it back the other way around, we suddenly feel like, oh man, this is like a job description. A marriage was never supposed to be a job description. It was something, you know, we can confuse passion with sacrifice, but passion comes from a heart of love or compassion. And sacrifice is kind of like, oh man, this is a duty. God really doesn't want our sacrifices of praise. He wants our free will offering. He says, God, I'm all in, even though I may not even feel in the mood. But I've already made an inner resolve. My heart's already saying yes before I'm getting on board. And so God's inviting you not to be a laborer, but to be a lover. God's inviting you to partner with His kingdom as one that first He loved you and knowing you're incredibly loved. And if you're finding it hard to, to, to love, then come back under the spout of His incredible, gracious love for you. And that helps recalibrate and redefine who we are as a people. And we'll end up, can't help ourselves but to get into the harvest field as laborers. It's kind of like he says, he who is greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. But it doesn't mean that we run around as servants. Because we've outgrown that. We started here, but we've outgrown that. As the bride of Christ, you don't run around like a servant. 
my wife doesn't serve me because she's a servant. God is not calling you to be a servant. Jesus is king. He served. You're a son that loves to serve. Not a servant that is trying to find your position as a son. God is releasing people that carry the heart of the kingdom and for know why they hear. The nations need to know who they are, who they are. The people, when we break it down into small bite-sized chunks, it means people with personalities. And those people with personalities need to know who they are, but they won't know who they are until they know whose they are. And that's that's us. That's our job of taking it's like you're Papa's son, you're Papa's daughter. And God loves you so much. It would be a shame for you not to know how much he loves you and for know who that he's made you to be. And, and that's a privileged part that someone did that for me. And it's ruined me forever, for good. And I can't go back to a new default position because my whole default position has changed. And I'm just so thankful that someone was loved so they could pass on that love. And now I'm a part of that journey, that story that moves me along, but moves other people along in that. Philip the Evangelist, it's interesting, if you were to turn to, if you're, if you're, if you're a Bible um, reader or off your phone or whatever it is, you can turn here from um, Acts, and Acts 8. It talks about Philip the Evangelist, and there's a couple of points I'd like to bring out of there. Now, Philip, he's having revival. He's going down to Samaria. Samaria is, a, is um, so-called, was a despised people group. And here we are, um, Revival's broken out. The woman at the well was from Samaria. And Jesus loved on the one that opened up a whole village. And now, and now then it's, God has invited his laborers, his lovers, into that village. And, and revival's breaking out. And, and <clears throat> Philip the Evangelist is there. And Philip has this, uh, an angel come to him and says, hey, why don't you go down to Gaza, down to the desert place? And it's like, man, no, I'm here in a revival situation. God's turning up here. Why would I want to move from out of here? But sometimes we need to listen to the call and let go of what we're doing in the now because it's about to change. Even though God is present, God is also on the move. And he says, I'm here, but I want to do something down in Gaza. So Philip goes down to Gaza and then the Spirit says to him, go down, or go beside the man with the chariot and, and cheer with him. So he goes down to the chariot. He ends up, the, the eunuch is, is on the chariot there. And he's reading out from, the, um, from Isaiah 53. And he's saying, as a, as a sheep uh, before the, the slaughter, he opens not his mouth. Now, evangelism, which is essentially doing anything local and missions, which is doing anything cross-cultural, uh, it should be really, really easy. And it just started with one simple question. He says, do you understand what you read? It wasn't some like, hey, you need Jesus. It was just a, it was a conversation. So really simple. God likes to keep it simple. Now, the interesting thing is he, he, preach, he, he preaches with them Jesus. Now, the interesting thing is, is that when people know they've encountered truth, they can't help themselves but to want to respond. And he says, I want to get baptized. He sees water and he says, hey, why don't you baptize me now? It's interesting that Philip didn't suggest that. 
It came from within him because the truth, one, the truth in him was demanding a response. And he says, hey, I need to do something with this. When the Holy Spirit turns up, everything changes. It can change your world forever. But I'd like to just bring in a couple of thoughts in the story. We think of Philip the Evangelist. But Philip the Evangelist is only one chain in the link. And who knows, if you're hanging over a cliff and you've got 10, 10 chain links, how many links would you need to break before you're on your way? One, one chain link. Now, let's just think of this. Here's the eunuch. Here's obviously about Jerusalem as the place to worship. So somebody's told him, go to worship in Jerusalem. You're going to meet God there. Interestingly, the next thing is, is that He's also got a Bible, obviously in his own language, so somebody has to have written the Bible. Someone has to have taught him how to read. Someone had, had translated that Bible into his own language. Somebody has to give him the Bible. We've got um, <clears throat> someone that has already birthed the seed in him about worship. I want to go, I want to know this God. So it might be his grandmum or whoever it is as, as a young person has, has been a link in that journey. Then he goes down to... <clears throat> Samaria, and it says the queen of Candace, Candace, um, the queen of Ethiopia, she funds him. Someone had to fund it because it's like that's actually quite a costly journey. So someone funds it. So now we've got another piece of the pie that that has taken place for this to to happen. Now, the interesting thing is he gets down to Jerusalem, and we think the bigwigs, okay, the people that Jesus has hung up with for three and a half years, the apostles would, would sort this guy out, that they would do the work. But you know what? He's been to Jerusalem and he's on his way back, but God chose an ordinary person that felt that knew they were loved and said, I've got to do something with that. And because of that love relationship, he one responded to an angel, even in the midst of being pulled out of a revival situation where God's very present. And two, he responded to the spirit and saying, I'm gonna go and do something a little crazy and run along the side of a chariot. Which kind of sounds a little crazy, hey. So it does something crazy because love demanded a response to, to, the, to what he was receiving. Yeah? So in the process of missions, as we journey, this is already together, we can do more than we can alone. And we can think of Philip as, as the key person, but actually each of those people are key people, just like a chain hanging over a cliff. Every chain link needs to be doing the job. We all need to be doing what we can do is what are the, what's in our hand today so that we can all move the kingdom forward in a way in which we couldn't have done alone. So if you, are, if, if you feel inspired to be a writer and you're going to put it on a paper and inspire people with scripture, you feel like you want to get alongside children and teach them how to read, you want to you translate something into another, into another culture or, um, or, or language, or if you want to be a financer, or if you want to be a prayer, I'm sure now, no, everybody in this room, without exception, except for maybe everybody in this room without exception, you are here. Maybe a, maybe a youngster, my little guy might be different, but you are here because someone prayed for you. Yeah. If you hands up, if you know who one of those significant people that prayed for you. Yeah. But who knows that you're here because someone prayed for you? Yeah. 
that you invited, someone invited heaven in on your behalf. So there's all, there's all these important chain links in, the, in, in, in missions. And, and so I just really encourage you today that as, we, as we're moving forward as a, as a body of people, um, I'm just going to round up uh, here. And that's um, D.L. Moody makes a statement. He says, the world is yet to see a man or a woman that is wholly offered to God. I believe the world is looking for something even more than that now. The world is yet to see a family that's wholly offered to God. And I believe that God is inviting us. He's the call of God's on this house. And God is inviting us to be one of those families that has got to represent him. To be able to see things significantly take place that we've never ever seen in history before. Some of the uh, finance, just I'm going to just brief that. Um, finance is not an obligation. It's not, a, it's not something that we need to do. I personally believe that God doesn't need us, but he chooses to need us. He invites us in because he's a relational God. Okay, So it's not like, oh, I totally need you. But he says, I'm not moving without you. So in that process... It says that God's inviting us into, into the areas of anything he's doing and moving in. One of those things is finance. He, is, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Okay? He owns the gold and the silver. So he doesn't need us, but he wants us to be part of his faith story. So in this faith story, one of the things that we, uh, to can see things are continually moving forward is around about, well, we're looking, aiming, we're, we're targeting. I believe God for this. Uh, for two thousand nine hundred dollars monthly, uh, so that um, we can continually doing what we're already done, but also we continue to grow what we are currently doing. So there's around, I, I think statistically, there's about uh, one quarter of us here are in any ways financially contributing toward a mission capacity. That's totally fine. You don't have to change that, but I invite you to change that. I invite you to going, you know what? I've got $5. I could put $5 in a month or, or a week, whatever it is. And I, I, could make a, I could make a significant contribution to what the reward of heaven's going to look like in its finish. Because we all, whether we're sowers or reapers, we all share in the reward. So 2,900 is something that we've said, okay, that's what we, our target goal and what we're needing to be able to keep things like people being fed on the street here, 40 people a week. Um, these different things all have costs. There's, there's volunteering, like Chris mentioned about, hey, what's men to come down and, and to share with these guys? We want people praying. So whatever God's put on your heart, I'll let you just have a quick pause for a moment and then and just think, God, what, what can I give? It might be finance, it might be time, it might be... Um, getting along and encouraging or praying, okay? I'll just give you a few seconds and put up your hand when you feel like you, you know what God has got for you to contribute in some way. This is not a have to, but this is a, an invitation, okay? I'm just going to go 10, 9, 8, 7. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your hands. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. That's great. That's great. God is, God is no man's debtor. I'm standing here not because I'm financially endowed. I'm standing here because I don't have any lack. I'm standing here because I'm not working many days in the week to be financial. I'm standing here because God is providing 
for me. And I'm a part of that. It doesn't mean I'm slothful. In, in Ephesians, it says we work so that we can give to those that don't have. Okay. Let's say um, the worship team come on up in, in the air. Yeah. Bless you guys. Thanks so much to be part of such a great house and great family. And uh, we have the opportunity to change as a family what missions look like and what the world has ever seen in the area of people being loved on a corporate basis. 